So the reading from Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Well, thank you so much, Marcus, for reading. Um, Let me add my very warm welcome to you all. If it's your first time here, it's fantastic to see you, and we'd love to speak to you at the end. My name's Merv, as Wes says, and I work on the city team here at St. Helens. Well, the question I'd like to begin with this lunchtime is this. How can we be sure that being a Christian is living our best life now? How can we be sure that being a Christian is living our best life Hashtag living my best life has been trending across Instagram and Twitter for a few years now, exploding across feeds and uh, bombarding social medias, um, stories of travel, bossing work, and self-love. Everyone in the world around us seems to have an opinion on what it looks like to live our best life. And there are millions of sources around us um, claiming to, to provide wisdom on the steps to living your best life. Like this book, uh, Manifest by uh, the self-development coach, Roxy Nafusi. It's a 2022 Times bestseller, and it outlines the seven steps to living your best life. Nafusi says, if I just let go of beliefs that are not in line with my ideal future and reframe my thoughts, I can unlock my potential and live my best life, be the best possible version of myself. The world around us provides us with so many options for living our best life. But it's not just the world, is it? It's also the religious sphere that claims to answer how you can live your best life. So this book by uh, American pastor Joel Osteen. Now, I know this is a a very different size from um, the original. Um, Let's just say I had a crisis of conscience as I was in Amazon, um, in my Amazon basket. Um, Your best life now, again, seven steps to living your full potential. Now, he promises the promise of career, health, wealth, and prosperity and fame, and in this life now as well. And he's not the only one, because in many pulpits up and down the country and across the globe, 
they do the same. And so when the world, and even when preachers give us options for living our best life, how can we honestly say, and how can we honestly be sure that the reality of living life as a Christian is living our best life? Because let's be honest, it doesn't feel like it, does it? You only have to browse on, on, the, on the Christian charity Open Door, the, the Open Door website and hear about the intense persecution and suffering experienced by millions of Christians globally. 360 million Christians suffer persecution and discrimination. That's 360 million. And whilst our experience in the city today might not be one of physical persecution or intense suffering, Perhaps we're more at the social end of the spectrum. Perhaps, perhaps being mocked or maligned or, or socially ostracized. So let me ask, how can we be sure that being Christian is living our best life? When we've got so many options, what seems to be left? Well, Jesus says to us, this lunchtime, chapter 5, verse 12, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Now, as we embark on Jesus's Sermon on the Mount this lunchtime, perhaps the most famous ever sermon given, Matthew wants us to reassure, reassure us that being a Christian really is the best life, helping us to delight in who we are and to be motivated in the task he's given us to do. And he's reflected that in the shape of the passage today. So there are four Beatitudes that fall on one side, that's verses three to six, and then four on the other side, that's kind of seven to 10, with verses 11 to 12 being an expansion for what's being taught. And so we've got two points this lunchtime, which is there on your handouts, and, and, and point one is be assured as disciples of Jesus, because the best life is for broken people who know they're broken. Now, just to say, before we go any further, I'll try and set the scene a little bit of the Sermon on the Mount and understand what the Sermon on the Mount is doing and what it's not doing. So let's see what's happening there in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. The Lord Jesus is up a mountain. He's teaching the law to his disciples. And that, and that has to remind us of Exodus um, 19 and 20. We're not going to go there because we don't have time. But here is the Lord Jesus up a mountain teaching the law to his disciples. But the crowds are listening in. We don't know whether they're, they're actually listening or not. But he is, he is speaking to his disciples. So this is not a list of how we get saved. This is the best way of living as saved people of God. And we know that from the word blessed, don't we? It doesn't mean that um, they are hashtag blessed. or um, It's more that they're on the best possible path of life. It's not as catchy, but I think it's, more, it's a more accurate translation. So let's dive into the passage from verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those in, who mourn, verse 4. 
Verse 5, blessed are the meek. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This seems like the complete opposite of someone living their best life, doesn't it? There's no health, wealth, and prosperity. In fact, verse 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, this isn't prosperity. It's a picture of feeling crushed by the world under the shadow of death. So how can Jesus be saying that being a Christian is the best possible path in life when there are so many options which look so much more impressive? Well, listen listen to the way that Jesus completes the verse. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What could be better than inheriting the kingdom of heaven? Better than any kingdom on earth? And notice how this is present tense as well. So, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven now. Sometimes the Beatitudes are taught like a checklist or an increasingly kind of difficult entrance criteria, a whole track of higher and higher hurdles to jump over. But these are words of comfort, words of hope for those who have taken refuge in God. And just to reinforce that, Jesus picks up on words from Isaiah chapter 61, which itself is a message of hope and comfort for the faithful. Those at the time wickedly oppressed into poverty and those too powerless and humbled to defeat the wicked. Those who longed for righteousness to triumph Well, they shall be exalted and the wicked humbled. There will be a great reversal. So picking up on this language in in, in Isaiah 61, Jesus is saying the time has come. The Messiah is here. The humble will be exalted. The proud brought low. Be assured as disciples of Jesus, because the best life is for broken people who know they're broken. One of the classic characteristics of the way the world around us works is basically there's limited time, there's limited resources, we're all in competition with one another, and and with everything around us. That's the classic city, isn't it? And it's almost impossible as a Christian to think any differently. Being meek seems to be unthinkable. Being Christian and not bullishly working your way up to the boardroom is unthinkable. Being Christian and gentle when everyone else in the office is being pushy is unthinkable. And that's meekness. But Jesus is saying here that blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus is saying that understanding the limited time span of life and not subscribing to the world's smash and grab kind of way of life and continuing to live for Jesus will paradoxically give you an eternal inheritance that will never, ever fade. Have a look at the final beatitude in the first section, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they they shall be satisfied. So far, we've seen that those on the best possible path on life, participants in the kingdom of the heavens, are poor in spirit, meek, They mourn their sin and the death around them. Verse 6 shows us that 
Those living their best life hunger and thirst for righteousness, aware of their own moral shortcomings in this broken world. They long for for the good things to be done, both in this broken world and in their hearts as well. Injustice in the world can be so demoralizing, can't it? And unrighteousness in our hearts, so impossible to fix. But here, we're promised that our thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. So as long as we do good, as long as we, as long, as we long for good to be done in this broken world and in our hearts, we can be reassured as disciples of Jesus that the best possible life is for broken people who know they're broken. So we've looked at the first four Beatitudes, and now there's a slight change of focus as we move on to the next four Beatitudes. We've just heard a word of, of comfort for those who know they're broken, but now as we look at the next set of Beatitudes, we'll see how this plays out in, in service and um, persecution. So point two, be assured as disciples of Jesus, because the best life is for servant-hearted people who know they'll be persecuted. Let's read from verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. As disciples of Jesus, the best life concerns itself with our inside, not just the outside. And these are servant-hearted behaviors which align themselves with the Lord Jesus. Blessed are the merciful. But in my experience... There's absolutely no mercy in the city. In my experience, you seem to fail and then you're out. You haven't got time for failures. You haven't got time for people. There's no mercy in the city. But as disciples of Jesus, people who have received so much mercy from God, well, we want to be those who show mercy to others, don't we? It's part of our DNA of disciples And this idea gets picked up a little bit further in in verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit, for for they shall be called sons of God. Now, why is this so brilliant? Well, because it takes the DNA idea to another level, and and we're being called the highest honor. So where do you you get the highest honor in the workplace? But it's not, always kind of, it's not always going around making peace with people. In some workplaces, the highest honor is defined by pushing people around and trampling all over people. Again, because we've been shown peace by God when we haven't deserved it, it's the natural outflowing behavior of someone whose identity is in Jesus Christ. Be assured as disciples of Jesus, because the best life is for servant-hearted people. Like when a single ray of light passes through a prism and breaks into a colorful spectrum of a rainbow, we also see what the kingdom brings. Finds colorful development in the promises of the Beatitudes. Verses 3 and 10, for theirs is the kingdom of God are the top and tail of these kind of eight beatitudes. And they they, they explain the verses in between. So verse four, they shall be comforted. Verse five, they shall inherit the earth. Verse six, they shall be satisfied. Verse seven, they they, they shall receive mercy. 
Verse 8, they shall receive, they shall see God. Verse 9, for they shall be sons of God. They shall be called sons of God. These really remind me of one of the parables in uh, chapter, chapter 13, where Jesus will say that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who in finding one of those pearls of great value went and sold all that he had. Well, here we have the kingdom of heaven presented like a string of fine pearls, each one of them of, of, of enormous value. Together, they're invaluable. All traces of sin and death removed for good, adopted into close family relationship with God. And again, your identity as someone whose mind has been changed has led to actions that match up. Now, this reminds me of a conversation that Jesus had with the Pharisees in, in, in chapter 3. He said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. It means all your actions will flow from your identity. We're bearing fruit, so let's imagine that you had a tree and you wanted to, to grow fruit. But the tree was dead and you could just wait. You couldn't, you couldn't wait for it to grow. So you skipped a few steps and started to staple fruit to the tree. Now imagine they'd be held up for a while, um, but eventually they'd fall off and die, wouldn't they? You can't staple fruit to a dead tree, nor can you staple mercy onto an unmerciful, merciless tree. Jesus says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, which means that living your best life is not just following this kind of nine-step life plan that's outlined in the Beatitudes. It's depending on you repenting and continuing to follow Jesus, understanding your brokenness and the broken world around you. Be assured as disciples of Jesus, because the best life is for servant-hearted people. Now, here's the final climactic comfort for the follower of Jesus. It's there in verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile, revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, this is, of course, not about seeking persecution. But Jesus says, if you, and notice how he switches specifically to you in this verse, are persecuted like me, rejoice and be glad. It might be crazy, but it marks you out as being at Jesus' side, the right-hand side the winning side. The righteousness of verse, verse 9 is in fact the conduct that links a disciple to Jesus. And Jesus says it provokes kind of hostility because of me, because of him. It, com it confirms a connection to Jesus. It confirms your reward in heaven, a reward kept in heaven until the full coming of the kingdom of heaven. And it also connects the disciples to the prophets. And if you want to know whether this is actually true, well, just remember that this is what's happened to God's people in the past. So all of, the, all, all of this has happened to God's prophets before this, and you can't find one single one 
who hasn't been reviled and persecuted. So it's not just that God's just suddenly changed tact or anything, or he's suddenly gone for the meek and the mild. In fact, he's always done that. In fact, there's even a real privilege to align yourself with Jesus. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Now, in a massively topsy-turvy way, this is how you can be totally sure that you are on the best possible path of life. How being a Christian and living your best life and how you can, verse 12, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is, in he- is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Be assured as disciples of Jesus, because the best life is for servant-hearted people who know they're, they're gonna be, they'll be persecuted. And as we look on the left-hand side of the passage, there's no doubt that we'll see a portrait of the Lord Jesus being painted here. So look at the left-hand side. Jesus is the one who makes makes himself poor for others. He is the one grieving over the state of the world. He is the one who will humble himself on the cross. He is the one longing for righteousness to triumph. He is the one with the perfect heart. He is pure in mercy. He is the one persecuted to death because of righteousness. And as we confess our sins and we're repentant, we can humbly delight in seeing ourselves in this portrait following Jesus. But also, if you reverse that portrait on the left-hand side, and if you look at this kind of negative image, you get a picture of the Pharisees, people who are comfortable with themselves, in the establishment perhaps, perhaps materially rich, proud people with power, people thinking they already have righteousness, people who don't show mercy or compassion, people concerned with only external appearance, people dealing out persecution rather than receiving it, and very much afraid of it themselves. And then it becomes clear that if you, you, you have a righteousness like theirs and you cannot expect to be in the kingdom, you cannot expect blessing, you can only expect curse. Now, we've said all throughout this, haven't we, that uh, this is a message to the disciples, um, to Christians, followers of Jesus. But the crowds have been looking on. And this way of life is just so attractive, isn't it? This pattern of life is so unique. Wouldn't it be incredible if the whole world was like this? Now, I am absolutely convinced that Jesus Christ is the answer to the world's problem. And if you're not a Christian here today, and you're invited to take a closer look at the Lord Jesus, the incredible Jesus, his incredible way, and his incredible kingdom. And if you're a disciple of Jesus already... Jesus wants to reassure you today, this lunchtime, that you really are on the best possible path in life. Let me lead us in a prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you so much for giving us this presentation of 
the Beatitudes. We thank you so much that you give us the best possible path in life through what the Lord Jesus says. And Father, we do pray that we would not get distracted by, by the world and what's going on around us, but that we would be reassured that we really are on the best possible path in life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.